Morning, everybody. Please sit down. How is everybody this morning? You're well. Isn't life confusing? Do you sometimes find life confusing? Don't you wish sometimes somebody would shine a light into your life and try and make some sense of it? Don't you wish you could just see what your life was about and where it's going? Do you ever feel like that? You know, the Bible says that uh, the Bible is God's light into our life. It's God speaking. And so as we come to look at this passage together, and I'd like you to turn to it, page 1011, it's Mark chapter 8. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit, who's present this morning, will illuminate our lives, give us understanding, give us some clarity about our life. Let's pray. Father, your word is light in a world that's full of so many voices saying so many different things. We thank you that you have spoken clearly to us. Father, please help us to break through the confusion, the filters that we have in our own lives. And Father, please help us to be able to hear what you're saying. And then the willingness to respond. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've, uh, I've recently become a grandfather. Um, I know he doesn't look old enough. <laughs> Actually, nobody's saying that. <laughs> it's so depressing. I thought that when you became a grandfather, you were really ancient. And I've discovered you are. <laughs> it's just tragic. But you know, I, I don't think any of us, any human being who's ever born, is born with this sense of my life is destined to be mediocre. I don't, I don't think any of us come into the world like that. We don't think my life is going to be really, really ordinary. Instead, we come into the world with that sense of purpose and potential and excitement. So you look at a little child as they're beginning to develop and the wonder that they have. And we are born with that. In fact, the Bible says that we are born with that sense that our life should be extraordinary. You have placed eternity in our hearts, the Bible says. We, our life is meant to be a life that is truly extraordinary. And I think sometimes, even as we grow up, we get a sense of that, just a, a glimpse of it. I remember some years ago, I, I was in my 20s, so I've had to dredge my memory banks quite a lot. And, and I was heading down on holiday. It was an English summer's day. The sun was shining. I have to add that because some of you don't think the sun ever shines in England. And it was warm. And it was that kind of light blue sky that you get in England when it's warm. And so I was driving down to meet these friends. And the, window was, the windows were, were wound down on the car. And uh, the music was turned up full blast because I was on my own. And suddenly, this sense of just sheer exhilaration came over me. 
just, just I, I don't know what it was. It was just that sense of, isn't life extraordinary? And there are all kinds of possibilities about life. The very fact that I existed, that I could breathe. A sense of the extraordinariness of life. Every human being who's ever born is born with that sense of my life is extraordinary. But then something happens. It's called life. So you're growing up and you have all these dreams and how many times have you heard people say you can't do that? People like you don't achieve that kind of thing. You'll never make it. And so as we grow up, we get all kinds of no's in our life, and they're not just the no's that are designed to protect us from harming us. They're the no's that say, you cannot be extraordinary. You are destined to live a life that's constricted, that is profoundly ordinary and then we face circumstances don't we we have these dreams about what our life will be we have these desires for our life we have the aspirations for our relationships and our career and we chase after them and and then we experience disappointment the career doesn't work out the choice that we've made turns out to be a really bad one. The relationship falls apart. Tragedy strikes sometimes. And it reinforces that sense of that potential that we are born with will never be realized in my life. I can't be that person that somehow I still feel inside me I ought to be that sense of the extraordinariness of my life. And then, we're just such messed up people, aren't we? It's not just that we recognize our limitations, that we can't do everything. It's that there's something else, there's something broken inside us the kind of brokenness that leads us to hurt sometimes the people we love the most. To make decisions that are profoundly destructive of other people and even ourselves. It seems as if we make decisions sometimes because we're following our heart and, and we look back and, have you ever done this? You make a decision, you follow your heart and then you look back and say, if only I'd known. We seem to be incapable of making decisions that are good, of knowing what's good for us. And so, so many of us end up, end up accepting a life of mediocrity. This is as good as it gets. And that, sense inside of us that perhaps we once felt of possibility and of excitement for our life gets crushed out of us. Some of us settle for mediocrity. Some of us succumb to despair because our dreams aren't fulfilled. 
and still others of us. We're still striving. There is a drivenness about us. We hear what our culture is telling us, that if only you pursue your desires, if only you work hard, if only you pursue sex or money or career, then maybe one day you can have it. In fact, the world tells us if you pursue your heart and follow your heart, you can have the life of your dreams. And so some of us are still striving for that. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus says something really quite remarkable. In verse 35, he says this. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Now, now some of you have been around in churches for a long time, and so you've heard that passage. And, and it's, it's a Bible passage, and so you know what happens when it comes to Bible passages. We put it all through a filter. And when we hear things like that, because it comes through the filter, we say, yeah, yes, of course. Let me tell you, if you take that filter out, that is nuts, isn't it? It is, at best, paradoxical. If you want to save your life, Jesus says, you've got to lose it. How does that ever make sense? See, take away the filter and you begin to sense something of the extraordinary nature of what Jesus is saying here. Because what Jesus is saying is almost everything you've ever heard about life is wrong. Because the world tells you, your culture tells you, you you grow up with that sense of, if you're ever to achieve the life of your dreams... Then pursue your desires, pursue your heart, follow what you want, work hard for a career, work hard to earn lots of money, pursue sex, whatever it is. And maybe, because the world sends conflicting signals, doesn't it? On the one hand, it says, you can be anything you want to be. But on the other hand, it's telling us, no, you can't. And Jesus is saying here, everything you ever heard is wrong. Because the world says, if you want the life of your dreams, if you want a life that is extraordinary, if you want to rise above mediocrity, then pursue your heart, work for your career, get lots of money, make your choices. You choose for yourself your life. Be free. And here Jesus is saying, that's wrong. That is an upside down understanding of the world, of life. In other words, what Jesus is saying is that the world's yes is in fact a profound no to life to your life, to the life that God made you to live, which is a life that is extraordinary. In fact, Jesus says, 
you know, if you follow your heart, maybe you could get everything you wanted. Supposing you pursued your dreams and you ticked off all your dreams. You got everything you'd ever desired. You got the relationship, you got the career, you got the money, you got the works. You had great health until the day you died. Jesus says, even if you get everything, supposing someone should gain the whole world, actually they're going to lose their life, their very existence, the life that God made them to live. The world's yes is actually a no. It doesn't work. And that's why what Jesus says here sounds so paradoxical, so strange to us if you want to save your life. You can have the life that God made you to live, a life that is truly exceptional and extraordinary because God never made a human being that he didn't intend to live an extraordinary, exceptional life. But if you want that kind of life, then you've got to lose your life for my sake and for the gospel. There needs to be, Jesus is saying here, a radical reorientating of your life. A radical restructuring. It involves two things. Do you notice? He says, you give your life for me and for the gospel. What does that mean? It means your life is now structured around Jesus. It's about him. He is the center. He is the most important thing in your life. And it's the cause of Jesus that you live your life for. That's what he means when he says, for me and for the gospel. And if you do that, that is going to seem utterly crazy. It's actually going to feel like a death. Because according to all that you've ever heard, you are doing the opposite of what leads to life. You're giving your life for Jesus and the gospel. But that's the way to life, Jesus says. Have you taken the filter out? Have you taken the filter out? Those of you who are Christians, those of you who have been around church a long time, have you taken the filter out? Have you felt something of how utterly weird that is? How confronting that is? You know, Jesus, Jesus is, is, is a nice guy. <laughs> he loves people. Some of what he says is actually really scary because it shows how messed up we are. Some of you may be asking the question, well, you know, there's lots of stuff out there. There's lots of fake news. Why should I take Jesus seriously? Go on in the internet and you can get whatever answer you want. And there are so many voices, aren't there? So why should we take Jesus seriously? Let me give you three reasons why you need to take this seriously. Number one, because of who he is. In the passage just before uh, Stephen read to us, uh, Jesus is with his disciples and these guys who've been with him. He's been teaching them and he's been doing stuff around the place and it's caused quite a stir. And so people are asking all kinds of questions about Jesus. Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is he? And because they're human beings and they're inquisitive and because they're knowledgeable, because we always think that we know the answer to everything, uh, they have opinions of Jesus. And so Jesus says to his disciples, uh, tell me, guys, what are people saying about me? Who do they think I am? And so the disciples tell him. 
And they say, well, Jesus, you know, they think you're extraordinary. There's some really strange ideas out there. Some people think you're John the Baptist, which is very strange because John the Baptist is dead. So uh, anyway, some people think you're one of the prophets. They, they, They think you're a remarkable person. But clearly they're very confused. And then Jesus asked this question. He says, so what do you think? Who do you think I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ. That is, you're God's chosen one. You are God's mouthpiece. You are God's king. That's why we should listen to Jesus. Because there is nobody like him. What he says is what God says. And what we're being given here in these words of Jesus, anyone who wants to save his life must lose it. But anyone who loses their life for my sake and for the gospel, what we are seeing is God's perspective on life. Life as it should be. And it shows us how upside down our world is. We should believe Jesus because of who he is. There is nobody like him. Nobody. And we should believe him too because his life matches his words. Some years ago, I read a book about um, some of the leading thinkers of the last 200 years or so. And one of, the, one of the remarkable things that the author drew out about every single one of them is that their life never matched their deeds. There were people who said, it's really important to bring up your children well and to have a good family life and actually lived a life where he wrecked his family. And he just went on. But in the case of Jesus, we find that Jesus doesn't just say, you need to lose your life. He actually does it. So he says here about how he must go on and be rejected by the people whose opinions really count and then he's going to suffer and then he's going to die. For Jesus, it will actually lead to his physical death and worse. Jesus puts his money where his mouth is. So why should you believe him? Because of who he is and because his life matches his deeds. There is nobody else like that. This is another reason. Jesus' life doesn't end with his death. It ends with the resurrection. You remember in that section there, he says he must suffer and then be raised in the third day. Jesus' life ends with resurrection. Do you see the pattern? You lose your life. Where does it end? Resurrection. It ends with life. And what happens to Jesus is the demonstration that what he's saying is true. It works. Why should we believe Jesus? Because of who he is. Because of his life that's authentic. And because it works. God made every one of us with the possibility of a life that's extraordinary. We're told so often about what we can't be. Circumstances pull us back and constrict our life. 
But in a sense, the biggest problem lies within us. Problem lies with us. I don't know about you, but um, I'd love somebody to say of my life what it actually means to affirm it. I can hear that my life might mean something. I, I can sense sometimes those experiences like driving down the road and that sense of exhilaration. Sometimes I can sense the possibilities, but that's just me. What really matters is affirmation, isn't it? young girl had this passion to be a poet. She grew up in a family that didn't value literature and so she never got any encouragement at home and she wasn't really exposed to literature but she persevered herself and read some of the great poets and she kept her a booklet, a notebook, and she would write, and she started to write poetry because there was something within her that said, you're a poet. And she constructed word pictures, and she played with language and images in words. But everybody said no. When she showed that book, to her parents, her parents laughed at her and said, we don't do that kind of thing in our family. <laughs> and in any case, there's no money in poetry. But you could never do that. You could never be a poet. And that was the message she got all the time. Nobody ever affirmed her. And she began to wonder if really that was true. One day, she left her book, her notebook, on the desk at school, and she forgot it. And when she came back into the class, she realized it was missing, and she, she was distraught. But at the end of the class, the teacher asked her to stay behind, and she really admired this teacher. She looked up to them, thought they were great. And he said, I found this booklet on your desk, this notebook on your desk. Is it yours? And she said, yes, it is. He said, I, I hope you don't mind, but I, I, I looked inside. I was looking for a name, and, and then I saw there were these poems inside. Did you write these poems? And she said, yes. He said, has anybody ever told you how extraordinary they are? And she said, no. He said, let me tell you, you have a real gift. You are extraordinary. You are a poet. When you love somebody to say of you, because most of us live very ordinary lives. Nobody's going to write biographies of us. 
We're not going to appear in the media. We won't even get our 15 minutes of fame. We will live what on the surface seems seem to be ordinary lives. But wouldn't you love someone to say, actually, your life is extraordinary? Because you see, that's what happens to a person who does that crazy thing of losing their life for the sake of Jesus and the gospel. At the end of the day, we'll get the affirmation that really counts because Jesus will say, you know that life that you live that seems so ordinary? Let me show you what that life truly was. It was truly extraordinary. We will get the affirmation of Jesus where he begins to show us what our life really meant and how significant he was because God never created anybody for anything less than a life of extraordinary significance. But the way that you experience a life of significance is by losing your life for Jesus and the gospel. So we have a choice. You can choose to have at the center of your life career, money, sex, fulfilling your desires. And you'll have some great times, some of you. And some of those things that you choose, like family and so on, will be good things. But if you want a life, the life that God made you to live, you need to have Jesus at the center and his cause. And that will seem like a death sometimes. But anyone who loses their life for my sake and the gospel will save their life. What's your life like? Is your life an extraordinary life? Because Jesus is at the center and his cause. Because you've taken that crazy step of losing your life for Jesus. I'm, I'm going to, we're moving into a time of prayer and now, the way we're going to do that, we've done it before. For those of you who've been around before, uh, same kind of thing we've done before. For those of you who are new, what will happen is that in a moment, I'm going to ask the prayer team to come forward, and I'm going to pray, and then there will be an opportunity for us to pray. So you can just stay in your seat and pray quietly, and then when you finish, just slip out there, and there's tea and coffee, and things to eat through there. Or you might want someone to pray with you. You can come to the prayer team and ask them to pray with you. Or some of us will be wandering around and if you want somebody to pray with you, just raise your hand or reach out and indicate. But I want to encourage you, if you've never made that step of putting your trust in Jesus, to do that. And if some of you have lost 
that sense of how extraordinary your life is, how important it is, because you're a follower of Jesus. If some of you have just got crushed by your experiences, and it feels as if the joy and the life has been taken out, I want to encourage you to pray for a fresh work of the Spirit to speak into your life and tell you what Jesus says about your life. You are extraordinary. You're a child of God. You're a member of the family of Jesus and whatever your circumstances, whatever you're experiencing, that's who you are. And there is no such thing as an ordinary child of God, still less a mediocre one. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray a prayer maybe for somebody here who's saying, I've never made that move. Uh, I've put in my trust in Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer for you. You may want to echo these words. Or perhaps you've made that prayer before and somehow it's kind of got lost and you need to ink it in. And it's simply a prayer that says, I'm sorry. I haven't lived the life that God has made me to live and I want to be forgiven for that and I want to now live the life that Jesus makes available to us. And so I'm going to pray that prayer. I'll pray it slowly and you might want to follow me and then as, we, as I pray and then we'll move into a time of prayer. And as I say, at the end, just slip away into the area in the foyer and get some tea and coffee. Please would you all bow your heads. Father, I'm sorry I've not lived the life you made me to live. As I look at my life, I can see some of the ways it's unraveled, the way I've hurt people, hurt myself, gone against you. Father, please forgive me. I want to start to live the life that you made me to live. So I thank you for Jesus, for all he's done, for his death and resurrection for me. And so for his invitation to receive my life, my true life. I turn away from living the life I've been living. From now on, I will center my life around Jesus and his cause. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and fill me 
by your Holy Spirit. Amen. We're going to continue praying. So if you'd like, as I said, just stay quietly where you are. You may, if you feel able to, ask the person next to you to pray with you or to use the ministry team or one of us coming around. So let's pray.